to the Megazord. Everyone talks about how college is this time where connections are made and the experiences you have as a result of those connections. I always thought college was about, you know, saving your empty liquor bottles to display around your room. Daily midday naps and practical math. Example, the world's ratio of balls to breasts is roughly two to two. And that is practical math. But let's get back to connections. Because really, all college is is about the network that you make and how you make it. And how you make it work for you. Thus, I've decided to divulge the science of creating your crew, your squad, your team, your exec board. Building the perfect peer group is actually pretty vital to your college survival. And here's how you assemble your very own group of super friends. Throughout your college years, you'll come across a lot of people, a wide array of people. You know, chicks you have class with, girls you want to sleep with, guys who will get you in the party for free, cafeteria employees, sexy teaching assistants, the weed man, the mushroom man, the Adderall man, chicks upstairs that are always down for the Domino's 555, the kid who's always sick, guys who go to the gym with you, the kid who always leaves his room unlocked, you know, etc. There's always these different categories of people and you're going to come into contact with all of them. They walk around you each and every day and there's nothing wrong with having a unique association with each. But all these different characters and personalities, not everyone can be a part of your inner circle. And your inner circle needs to be a nucleus of people that mesh and aid to the overall group in multiple facets, therefore making them your closest friends. I'm going to give you the different pieces along with their purpose to creating the perfect squad. And by perfect, I mean shit worked for me, so that makes me the fucking authority. So, listen. First, the financial backer. In any company, there needs to be a money man. So let's take the situation for example. Your team is at the door of a club or a party, and two guys in the group don't have money for the cover. So what happens? The financial backer fronts the cash so we can all get in the party, and so the night doesn't have to come to an early end. Because what sucks more than being at the front door of a party and half you guys can go in and half you can't? I mean, I've been a part of the group of guys that can't get in the party, so I just call in a bomb threat so everybody's gotta come outside. But I'm just petty. So, is it simply because the financial backer is innately generous? Hell no. Nine times out of ten, he's pissed off because he's the most stressed out member of the group because he knows that when we all go to the ATM at the start of the night, he's the one that takes out 80 while everybody else just takes out 20, you know, for just in case shit. And he also is the one that realizes that he's not going to get paid back anytime soon. So why does he do it? The true beauty of the financial backer is not because he relishes in controlling the money or fronting the bill every time we go out to eat. A great financial backer understands that the memories made on any given night are priceless. He understands that the A-team pulls off the greatest jobs when they're at their full staff. Despite being pissed off about putting up money for the club entry, throwing an extra 20 in the gas tank because, you know, no one can put up gas money, or buying margaritas for a chick that he's not even trying to fuck. He's going to do it anyway. More than anyone in the group, he recognizes that the machine is most productive when all the gears are active and greased properly. Unfortunately, that old saying that the one with the money is the one that's in charge doesn't apply here. The financial backer is never the team leader. So what's the prerequisite for being the money man of the crew? Well, you need money, obviously. The financial backer is no mere guy who can call his parents for money whenever he needs it. Or he hustles, you know, he, he moves kicks or drugs on the side. Or he always has a startup or new app idea. Or he just has a job and manages his money well, I mean, who knew? Or he could just be making counterfeit bills. You know, I once knew a guy, and not sure I want to go into depth about this, but he used to make fake money. And he used to make it rain, that fake money. And I don't know if he's gotten caught yet. But however it happens, no one really volunteers to fork over their money. Especially when, you know, everyone's a college student. 
The financial backer is normally the guy who just steps up to the plate because he understands the concept of operational costs. You'll see, the roles of the group tend to evolve merely out of necessity, whether we like it or not. The bully. The motherfucking bully. Look, if you're a pretty boy, they're gonna think you're soft. If you're smart, they'll think you can't fight. If you're all about a good time, they're gonna think you're dumb. And this will apply to the company that you keep as well. No matter what type of group you find yourself in, that group is going to need some type of muscle. Enter the bully. The bully regulates when no one else will fucking regulate. Let's face it, men get into fights. That's what we do. At the very least, men have to be ready to fight at all times. It's always advantageous to have at least one Jason Bourne in the group. Somebody's just down for a good scrap at a moment's notice. He makes everybody else in the group feel safer. And unless you're fighting a football team, with this guy around, you're always going to have a chance. Alright, side note. You will never beat the football team. Even if your school has the shittiest program in the nation, they're football players, boys and girls. Let's not forget that these men are recruited and contractually obligated to be the biggest, strongest guys on your campus. So by, by contract, they're supposed to be beating the shit out of people. And they know this. So, I mean, you know what? I once watched four guys from the football team beat up the same two kids three separate occasions on one single day. Why? Legend has it, they were bored. End story. The bully serves two main purposes. One, he's 24-7 protection. He's the epitome of swing first, ask later. He's also the most aware of possible causes for altercations. Plenty of times, the bully on my squad has pulled me to the side and warned me of something about to pop off. And on the other hand, he's a guy in your group that everyone else in the party is aware of just in case an altercation arises. No matter how reckless I might get or one of my friends might get, most people are usually reluctant to say or do anything because my muscle is always standing close by looking like Wolverine. And yes, he's picking his teeth with his adamantium claw. He's basically an altercation deterrent. No one wants to activate the bully. And two, the bully serves as a thug, roughneck, bad boy, whatever you want to call it. The hard ass dude that women subliminally are drawn to. You know, a lot of chicks like a dude to be bigger and stronger and give off a sense of manliness. The bully serves as the gulliest guy in the group in respect to the other members. Take it like this. If the group is wearing suits and ties, the bully puts on khakis and a button up. He's not wearing a tie and the top button is undone. And if the group is wearing t-shirts, jeans and boots, the bully is going to wear a gun and nunchucks. Furthermore, the bully has no problem with assuming the role of the bad guy. He just is cool with it. He's basically Scarface. Sometimes you just need a guy who has no problem with fucking shit up for the greater good. For instance, the bully has no problem throwing some chicks out of an after party just to make the girl to guy ratio suitable for everybody. Lord knows I would never kick a girl in the butt, but the Lord also knows the bully will if I tell him there's a cock blocking huzzy on the premises. The Diplomat English motherfucker, do you speak it? Every group needs an outlier. The diplomat just serves as such. The key to the diplomat is that he must possess this unique quality of crossing cultural lines. Your group should be very diverse when it comes to personalities, but the truth is that the races tend to stick together. But here's where the diplomat should truly come into play. Instead of seeming like a diverse group by adding members who just fit in just because of different colors, really be diverse and add a member who's the same color as the group but known to hang out with people of different races and cultures. For instance, the black kid from the suburbs who's able to use chopsticks and loves Indian chicks. Perfect candidate. He might look like me, but if we never met, 
I'd never be exposed to beer bongs, locks and bagels, and fire crotches. The overall purpose of building a crew is to enhance your college experience. The Diplomat's purpose is just to provide opportunities that no other member of the crew could provide. Just like the financial backer contributes the money and the bully contributes supreme knowledge of how to choke a man out, the Diplomat contributes possibilities to experience new things and people. Have you ever been to a drum circle or a dripping like water party? Have you ever been to an open bar sponsored by the Asian Students Association? Consult your diplomat if you haven't, because he's obviously not doing his fucking job. Your diplomat needs to be the quote-unquote oddball of the group. Personality-wise, he'll mesh with everybody just fine. But he must have things to offer that the rest of the team would never imagine or even have access to if he never came around. We all come to college that can expand our horizons. The diplomat makes this shit possible. Note, you can't let the diplomat make all the group's social decisions, though. Or you'll miss out on the mainstream big-time campus events that you should be attending. The Diplomat's purpose is to give you out-of-the-norm and valuable options. But remember that they're never the only options. The on button. I had an awesome time. In the words of the police chief from Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie, or Kanye West for all those people who haven't seen the movie, no one man should have all that power. I say this because the on button holds 75% of the influence when it comes to social settings. He's a guy that isn't afraid of being inappropriate or solely concerned with having fun. In my experience, it works best when you have one guy just assigned to getting the party started. This dude is the mascot of the team and probably the most influential cat in the crew. Through the blessings of the party guys, the on button was created to breathe life and spontaneity into any situation. We can't all do this, but there's always one person who's charismatic enough who can. He's basically the beastie boys crammed into one body. The party hasn't started until this guy fills a crock pot full of Long Island iced tea and, and decides to chug it just because he needs his own personal chalice for the evening. He just has a gene that allows him to evaluate social situations and make them good for everybody involved. He makes people feel special. He's personable. He's engaging. He's funny. He's surprising. He's lighthearted. He's the guy you know who's going to ensure that you're going to have a good time tonight. But unfortunately, the on button tends to access his power at its truest form when he's under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So, a lot of times he'll find himself in some type of liquor-induced predicament at some point in the evening. The on button will ensure a good time for everybody at the party, but at 4am, you're most likely going to have to pick his unconscious body up from the school's library steps. You're going to have to clothe him, and you're going to have to chase him down after he escapes your car as you try to take him home before the cops find him. The best part of the on button is that he's the most social member of the group, therefore he's the perfect wingman. Since he's the perfect wingman, you're obligated to defer to him and let him take the lead if you want to have a successful evening with the ladies. Daniel Ocean. Come with me. This is the final component of the dream team. If the on button is the adrenaline, the bully is the muscle, the financial backer is the pockets, and the diplomat is the racially ambiguous hair, the Daniel Ocean is the brain or the heart, or, or both, of this Voltron. He is the link that brings all these characters into one driving force with one goal party up. He is the mastermind behind getting everyone together. Thus, he's the leader. Daniel Ocean is normally the brains of the operation as he decides where and when the pregame should happen, recommends which chick should be invited or not, researches and chooses which parties the crew is going to go to that night, and etc. He's the chairman of the board, but he doesn't need to openly announce he's in charge. It's just understood. He's your Tommy Pickles, the Red Ranger, Charles Xavier. He's the invisible hand. So let's recap. Remember, one of the reasons why men enjoy college so much is the potential to get busy with the multitudes of girls there. And keeping that in mind, you'll open yourself up to way more chicks if you work collectively with a team of guys that you've bonded with through trust and chemistry, rather than trying to take on the whole campus by yourself. 
you know, together men can make great things happen.